0: morning. How's everyone doing? We need to let the kids go to catechism class, so let's have them stand. I'll pray for them. Lord, thanks for our kids. Thank you that um, you've blessed us with them. I pray, God, that um, each one of them would come to know you in a real and personal way, that they would be saved from an early age that you would be gracious to them, Lord, that they would see um, your face shining upon them day after day, that they would um, know uh, the reality of your love for them. And uh, we pray for for many more stories um, like the Kessel Rings with Judah, God, that we would have our own kids coming to know you um, at such uh, an early age, God. And so we ask that you would be with them, let them receive the word planted, God. I pray, God, we would be good examples as parents for them, Lord, and we ourselves would receive the word um, planted, Lord, that you're about to give us. So let us take it, God, let it bear good soil, or good fruit in our lives, let it be put on good soil, let our hearts um, just be tender soil, Lord, to you, God. So we ask that you would have your way with us, that you'd bless the rest of this service. We thank you for your mercy and grace to us, Lord. We love you so much. Amen. All right, turn if you will to Ephesians chapter six. In Ephesians six, it says this, and starting in verse ten, finally, be strong in the Lord, and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. We'll see if we can get through those first couple verses uh, today and uh, continue on in the weeks to come. This is part two of my sermon on spiritual warfare. And I wanted to um, start with a question. How many of you guys uh, remember or know the significant event that happened um, in December of 1941? December 1941. <laughs> you weren't born. <laughs> Thank you. That doesn't mean you can't know what event happened, right? What was the event? Pearl Harbor, right? December seventh, nineteen forty-one. Do you remember hearing about it uh, growing up? I mean, I just I just remember hearing like Pearl Harbor, Pearl Harbor. I and mean, it was like, you know, every December seventh would come around, and then you find oh, you know, I mean, as you grow and you learn more about it, wh- wh- that was kind of the trigger that got the United States involved in 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 World War Two, right? Um, I mean, the war was already going on, right? But that was the trigger that really pushed us into it. It was a wake-up call, really, so to speak, uh, for the United States that we weren't going to be able to avoid the war and uh, they w- we were very much involved in it. Sometimes it kind of takes like an attack like Pearl Harbor in our own spiritual lives to kind of wake us up um, to the war going around that we're involved in, spiritual battle. Um, any student who has studied war, knows that one of the first things about war is this. Know your enemy. Know your enemy. Know his plans, his strategies, his ways of working. When Paul says here in verse 11, uh, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil, we need to know what those schemes are. Right? It's hard to stand against something if you don't know what those things are that you're standing against. So we need to know what his schemes are. Um, now, we can always put too much attention onto different topics, even in Christianity. Some people have, um, an, I would say, an over-interest in prophecy. I mean, it's just all they do is study prophecy, 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 prophecy. I mean, it's just like, you know, that's all they do. They study prophecy. Um, you need a healthy, healthy dose of prophecy, um, that's good. Some people, all they do is focus on end times, you know, and even some churches make a big deal out of it, um, that if you're not, you know, pre-mill, mid-trib, that the church is not for you. In fact, I had a friend when I was at seminary, um, his particular denomination had a particular view of the end times, and if you didn't have that view, um, you couldn't be a pastor in that denomination, and so he kind of went back and forth and was like, well, should I study that or not? <laughs> because if I end up with an opinion different than, than my denomination, I can't be a pastor in that denomination. But he ended up studying it, and he ended up coming to a different position than the denomination that he was in, who was helping pay for him to go to seminary. So he had to inform you know basically his church that he had that was no longer his position, and he realized by doing that that he would not be able to serve as a pastor in that particular denomination. Um, he wanted to be faithful in, in his own conscience and heart to the scriptures. Some people have an over interest in different things some people have an over interest um, in even this topic okay um, We want to uh, make sure that people are aware here at liberty of the whole counsel of God, just like Paul said in Acts um, chapter 20, when he's talking to the Ephesian elders, night and day he said, I exhorted you, I'm innocent of the blood of all men, I preached to you the whole counsel of God. Well, I mean, our heart here is to preach to you guys the whole counsel of God, so we're going to hit on each of those topics um, and try to keep a proper balance in those things. Um, so what we're doing the next few weeks is, is focusing on this topic of spiritual warfare, because it is very much real and right before us. Um, look at Second Corinthians chapter 2. And we will at some point come back to this uh, verse uh, in more de- detail later. But I just wanted to catch one thing in this, in this verse. Starting in verse 10 of Second Corinthians chapter 2. Anyone whom you forgive, I also forgive. Indeed, what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, has been for your sake in the presence of Christ, so that we would not be outwitted by Satan. And then look what he says. For we are not ignorant of his designs. Your version might say schemes. Right. So Paul knew how the enemy worked. And he gives us, in his epistles, um, that information so that we are able to know what his schemes or his designs are. Thomas Brooks, who is a, who's a Puritan... Um, the Puritans aren't able to say anything um, in a few amount of words. <laughs> if they're going to say something, they're going to they're write for a while. Um, so Thomas Brooks, um, he wrote um, 166 pages in like tiny little print on Satan's ways on how to fight uh, against, against Satan and, and his schemes. Good stuff, actually. It's, it's Precious Remedies. Against Satan's devices, it's, it's somewhat well known. But here's what he says um, towards the beginning as he is writing. He says this, Christ, the scripture, your own hearts, and Satan's devices are the four prime things that should be first and most studied and searched. Christ, scriptures, your own hearts, and Satan's devices. Um, Our enemy is not flesh and blood. That's what I said a couple weeks ago. That's what Paul reiterates um, here in Ephesians 6. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. That word wrestle, your version might say struggle, was used to indicate that the fully armored soldier was an accomplished wrestler who... On occasion, would be involved in a close quarter struggle. Okay, so the battle would be so intense, and and we get to the point, whatever. He's lost his sword. He's lost his weapon. The spear is gone, um, and it would actually be a wrestling contest to see um, who would win. Um, Due to the cunning schemes of the devil, believers, we as believers, we need to be ready for for both uh, a far off assault and a very near assault. The word that Paul uses here, that word against, is used when we're talking about some, something face-to-face. Okay? Not off in the distance, but our struggle is something that is very real and near to us. The enemy that Paul pictures is an enemy that we are struggling against face-to-face. There's no running from it. It is right there. We can't get out of it. Look, we might have issues with people. No, that's not true. We do have issues with people. Okay? You have issues with people? I probably have. I do have issues with people. And we're working through those issues with people. And the scriptures call us to be at peace with all men as much as possible, right? So we're doing that. But here's the thing. Um, Ultimately, our enemy is not those people, even if they hate us, even if they revile us. Our enemy is Satan. Okay? It is against flesh and blood that we do not struggle. All right? That's not our struggle. Not against flesh and blood. It is against the enemy. So our battle that we're waging is not going to be with fists and guns or even verbal words or f- physical strength. It's going to be on our knees. All right? It's going to be on prayer and supplication. It's going to be us being in the word and living the word out. That is how the battle is going to be done. You've got to keep something in mind, folks. Satan hates you. Think about that for a second. Do you think there is even a drop of love or like that Satan has for you? Seriously. Just the slightest. No. There is not a drop of love or like or anything like that in Satan. He hates you. He hates you. So he's not ambivalent about you. He hates everything about you. Why? Well, one, you bear the image of God. So when he sees you, he sees you as God's unique creation. There's probably some jealousy there, actually. The angels weren't made in the image of God, but we were. So he sees you, and he sees you as the unique, special creation of God. You also have the Holy Spirit. You have been sealed. And God said, with the seal of his Spirit, you are Mine. You are mine. So he doesn't like that. He doesn't like seeing that seal to know that you're the precious chosen one of God. You're also his workmanship. Right? As believers, you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. He doesn't like that either either. And the other thing is this, you've switched your citizenship. Your citizenship, Philippians says, is now in heaven. You basically said to Satan, hey, I'm not a real big fan of your kingdom, so I'm out of here. Uh, that didn't go over so well with him. Listen, there's two kingdoms, and they are at war. Okay, there's the kingdom of God, and there's the kingdom of Satan. The kingdom of light, the kingdom of darkness. You cannot escape the war. You can't escape it. By virtue of being a human, you're involved in the war. Even unbelievers, whether they know it or not, are involved in the war. Who wins? Well, listen, Satan's kingdom has soldiers called demons. But God's kingdom has soldiers too. It's you. It's each one of you. Now, you guys realize you once were a part of his kingdom, right? I mean, you once were a part of it. I once was a part of it. Look earlier in Ephesians in chapter 2. Ephesians 2. It says this in verse 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. All right, did you catch that? Following the prince of the power of the air. You or follower of Satan. It's that simple. And your loved ones, and the people close to you, who don't have Jesus, they're a part of that kingdom. They're a part of it. But there is hope. Look on, verse 3. Among whom we all once lived, in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, you should underline or circle or do something with those two words because that is huge there in verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Amen? Here's the thing. Satan wants you back. I mean, uh, in Luke 22, Jesus says to Peter, Look, behold, Satan demanded to have you. Satan demanded to have you. Think about that word demand for a second. I mean, when you make a demand, there's kind of this implicit idea in the demand that the other party could refuse the demand, Right? I mean, here's a list of our demands, and the other party can say, okay, well, we'll meet one and three and four and six, but we're not going to meet the others, right? So Satan demanded it, and really God says, well, you can't have him, he's mine, but I'll let you take your best shot at him. So he'll do everything he can to get you back, Uh, and if he can't get you back, he'll do everything to make your life miserable. It's true so there's a cosmic battle going on and we got to remember this guys the battle belongs to the Lord yeah. one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament is when Joshua is getting ready for battle and like the night before the battle the angel of the Lord appears to him and Joshua's like "Um, whose side are you on are you like, are you like on my side or are you like on the enemy side and the, and the angel's like what are you talking about like whose side are you on you know like, I'm not on your side, you're on my side. And, and we need to remember that because there's, there's kind of a huge difference. All right? It's not like God's on our side. I know we talk like that, but really, we're on the Lord's side. And so, um, in First Samuel 17, David acknowledges this. You don't have to turn there, but just listen. This is when he's um, getting ready to fight Goliath. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. And I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. How come the little kid stories always leave that part out? You know what I'm saying? Like cut off his head, vultures on the bodies. (laughs) Veggie tales kind of miss that. Okay. (laughs) But going on, for real. And that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hand. It is God's battle, and we're a part of it. Look, I'm a soldier, not a general. He gives the commands. You're soldiers. You're not generals. He gives the commands, I obey. He gives the commands to you, you obey. You listen to the orders, you carry them out. You don't make up the commands. You don't devise your own orders. He speaks. You listen. You act. We're the soldiers. So this battle is spiritual. And this battle is long. It will go until the day you breathe your last breath. It is a long battle. And what is Satan's goal in the battle? If you look at it, you do some biblical theology, kind of trace the idea of what is Satan's goal throughout the scriptures? It's destruction of the chosen seed. Think about Pharaoh when he t- tried to destroy all of Israel's male children. Think about Pharaoh again at the Red Sea, wanted to wipe them all out. What did Haman in the book of Esther try to do? Wipe out the Jews. Balaam's attempt to curse Israel and bring them ruin. Herod's attempt to murder the infant Jesus. And on and on to this present time. Here's the thing. And it's kind of interesting when you think about it. God uses Satan, He uses Satan for His own purposes. And for his own glory. Which is kind of funny when you think about it. but Satan thinks he's doing everything he wants, right? He's got free reign everywhere, right? But God is using it. This is what John Calvin said this. Even the devil can sometimes act as a doctor for us. And if you think about some of the spiritual battles you've been in. How God has used that greatly in your life. But what has he been using? He's been using Satan himself to accomplish good in your own life. Think of uh, what Joseph said towards the end of Genesis. What, what, what you, talking to his brothers, what you meant for evil, God used for good. Okay? What Satan means for evil, God will use for good. So Satan has, has followers. They're demons. What are demons? Fallen angels. And Jesus. You guys read the Gospels? Yeah. That's good. You should. Jesus regularly encountered demons, like time and time again. And people are like, why are they like just popping out of the woodwork, you know, when, when Jesus is going along with his ministry, right? He encounters a whole lot. Um, here's the thing. Many people think many different things on that. It's real simple. Satan is going to do what he thinks is best in each country, city, region, home, and family. So whatever his strategy is, that's the one he's going to carry out. So if he has a strategy in first century Jerusalem because God himself is on the scene, that's the strategy he's going to employ. Does he have a different strategy in America today? I'd say so. His strategy with America is very different. Satan operates differently here than he does elsewhere. Has anyone been outside of the United States um, not just for like a vacation but like on a mission trip? anybody outside the u s okay Then perhaps you have seen um, how Satan operates elsewhere. I can attest. Uh, that in Mexico and Belize, um, Satan operates differently than he does in America. He just does. In our country, which is dominated by science and materialism, um, to me, it would be wise for him to be discreet and to not give anybody a clue that maybe there's a spiritual world out there that might um, give them pause, that might wake them up. So Satan has help. He has other fallen angels to help him. Um, And there's a lot of them. Look at Revelation. Let's look at um, Revelation 5. Let's see. It says this in verse 6. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked, and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Amen. That's what these angels are singing, right? Who are they singing it to? Jesus, right? They're singing to Jesus. Power, wealth, wisdom, might, honor, glory, blessing. If Jesus was just a mere man, that'd be crazy to do that. It'd be crazy to sing to him in the first place, but um, to, to, to give him those things, to ascribe that to him, would be crazy. That's just a footnote. So notice the angels there in verse 11, myriads of myriads. Do you guys know what a myriad is? It's like a countless number. So myriads of myriads, right? Well, if you look over then in Revelation 12, we get John's description of what's going on. We're going to start in verse 1 to get a little backdrop here. And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven, behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on his heads seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child. One is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness, where she has a place prepared by God, in which she is to be nourished for 1,260 days. Then it goes on. Now war arose in heaven. Well, most people think in verse 4 where it says the dragon's tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven that those stars are referring to the angels that fell. A third of the angels, many people believe, are the ones that rebelled and fell. So a third of myriads of myriads is a whole lot. It's a whole lot maybe but there really is a demon behind every push <laughs> so the demons um have numbers and they are highly organized back in Ephesians Paul's not just giving us a bunch of adjectives to talk about these demonic forces that are going on he's giving us a picture of the hierarchical structure that they have when he says The rulers, the authorities, the cosmic powers, the spiritual forces of evil. It would only make sense that Satan, who's been around for thousands of years, would be highly organized and do things to the best of his ability. Colossians mentions something similar. Um, Here's the thing. They can have all the numbers they want. They can be as organized as they want. Um, They are guaranteed they will not win. They will not win. And two things that we need to do as we start to look at how we're going to do battle with spiritual warfare is the first thing is this. Do not fear. Do not fear. Uh, Romans 8, look there. Oh, where to begin? Verse 12 of Romans 8. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. That's what it says. You don't have it. You might act like it. You might think about it. But you don't have it. You have the spirit of God. He's not a spirit of fear. So, you're no longer a slave to fear. Here's the second thing. They can only do what God allows them to do. They can only do what God allows them to do. Listen, they cannot do the one thing that they probably would like to do, uh, which is isolate you from the presence of God. They can't do that. Even when you're under attack, even when you might even literally, physically sense the enemy, he cannot remove you from God's presence. God is everywhere. So even in the midst of the attack, God is still there he is still standing there fighting with you and for you look john first john 4:4 says he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world that needs to be your verse when you're doing battle that's the first thing do not fear okay only what god allows can they do then look at jude You have to find it first. It's right before Revelation. I love this verse. Jude, verse 9. But when the archangel Michael... That's a pretty good name there, folks. (laughs) You know what Michael means, right? You know what it means? It means who is like the Lord. Now, I like to think of it as a statement... My mom likes to think of it as a question. (laughs) 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 But it does mean who is like the Lord. Okay, verse 9. But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. Here's my point with this verse. Do not be self-confident in doing spiritual battle. Do not take confidence in the flesh. Look, if Michael the archangel realized, Hey, I'm, I'm not going to try to, to handle Satan on my own. I'm going to let the Lord do it. Like the Lord rebuke you. Look, if anyone could have said, I rebuke you, it should have been the, the archangel Michael. Like second in command now. But what does he do? He appeals to God for help he doesn't try to take care of the situation himself he realizes where his reliance is it's on God so we need to have a God reliance and not a self reliance as we do spiritual battle listen Christ has the victory he really does he has the victory and I want you to look at something in Mark chapter 1 this is good stuff I mean, if you kind of let the the scene play out in your mind, I mean, this demon is, like, freaking out. Like, why are you here? I mean, is my judgment right now? I know my judgment's coming, but is it like right now? Have you come to destroy me right now? You found me. I'm inside this guy. I'm in trouble. Jesus is here. They feared Jesus. They thought that their judgment was going to happen right then for that particular demon. Guess what? They still fear him. Even the demons believe and shudder. That's what James says. So really, when you think about it, there's kind of two victories for us as we look at the scriptures. The first is the fulfillment of Genesis 3.15, when God really curses Satan. Um, He says, he shall bruise your head. Right? It's a curse, but it's really it's a promise for us. It's really a promise to Satan, too. Uh, you're going to do all you can. Strike the heel. He shall bruise your head. The seed, Jesus, will bruise Satan's head. But there is a second part to that that we can miss. If you look in Romans, Romans 16, we used to sing this song at the junior high. All the time. Romans sixteen nineteen, And he included 19 and 20. So he starts in verse 19. Your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good, and innocent as to what is evil. And then he goes and says this. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. You ever think about that before? He's going to crush them under your feet. Yeah. Under your feet. So, uh, the original p- promise is, hey, uh, the seed's going to basically bruise your head, um, but the rest of the body is going to crush you under their feet. That's what it says. Right? So there's kind of a, a, a two-part victory there. I mean, when when... Uh, God was letting his son uh, go through what he went through in his earthly life, and then when he was placed on the cross, I mean, Satan thought he was winning. I mean, again, there's, there's irony, right? Satan thinks he has the ultimate victory when it is the ultimate victory for God, which is the ultimate victory for us. But so, he dies on the cross, right? That is really, in a sense, part 1A. Part 1B is when he rises from the dead, victory over death. Uh, But part 2 is really when this is fulfilled. God of peace will soon crush Satan, future tense, under all of our feet. We will be there. We will be a part of it. We will partake in it. The judgment is coming. For Satan, has his defeat been finalized? In many ways, yes. Have we seen it and witnessed the final doom of him? Not yet. But Revelation gives us a very clear picture that you cannot mistake for anything else. He is thrown into the lake of fire. That's what it says. Thrown into the lake. Look at Revelation 20. It says this in verse 7. That is his end. That is his end. It is guaranteed. It is prophesied about. It is certain. In the meantime, we wrestle against him. All right? His his end has been decreed. He's going to do everything he can in the meantime to take out as many people as he can, believer or unbeliever. He won't admit his defeat. That's fine. So he's gonna attack us as best he can. And listen, some of us need to wake up because there is a spiritual battle going on and you're involved whether you know it or not. But don't let it take a sneak attack to knock you off your feet to realize that you're in the thick of battle because it will occur. You are in a battle, you need to get in the battle, you need to suit up, you need to put on the armor of God. The enemy is drawing his bow and taking a very fine aim at each one of you. He has fiery darts ready to fly right at you. And if you don't have the armor on, he will take you out. It is that simple. He will take you out. This battle that we're soldiers in, it is the Lord's. And we are guaranteed the victory because of that. But that doesn't mean we don't have to fight, we have to fight. We have to prepare ourselves. We have to be strengthened, as it says in Ephesians at the very beginning. So, wake up. That's my word for you today. Wake up and realize the battle is very real. And each one of you has a part to play. You're the soldier. You have a role in the battle to play. You need to be ready to engage the enemy. Both offensively. And defensively. Are you prepared? You need to start to prepare. Okay? The word will be your offensive weapon. That's your offensive weapon. The sword of the spirit. You need to pick it up, folks. And you need to be getting into this. Because you will be slaughtered if you don't have this. You will be slaughtered. Satan, look, I understand we all struggle with our quiet times. I struggle too, okay? We all struggle. <clears throat> that's just not just like a little discipline thing. That's spiritual battle. Do you struggle picking up the remote for your TV? All right, That's not a struggle. Do you struggle going to the baseball game? No, that's not a struggle. You don't struggle with that stuff. You're going to struggle with stuff that Satan doesn't want you doing. And he is even wise enough to let you think that it's just a flesh issue with you and that he's not even involved in the issue at all. Deception, right? He's willing to do that. You've got to get in this word. There's no other way to say it. You will be taken down and torn to pieces if you're not in this and if you don't know it. This is the way that you will do the battle. Okay? So some of you need to get some discipline in your life and you need to start reading it. It's really just that simple. You say, I'm not getting anything out of it. Congratulations. Okay? I don't get something out of it every time I read it either. Sometimes it's two days. Sometimes it's three days. Okay? But you know what? Uh, When I watch movies that probably aren't the most edifying, I'm like, oh, I didn't get much out of it. No, I got something out of it. Because it's affecting me. Okay? It's affecting me. If I'm in this, it really doesn't matter if I'm getting something out of it or not, in one sense, because... I'm getting something out of it, Amen. okay? You're choosing your diet of food, Amen. your spiritual diet. And if you want to choose two hours in front of the TV as your spiritual diet, choose it. But if you want to choose two hours with this, choose it. I can guarantee you it'll make a difference, yes. okay? If you're feasting on this as your diet, this will make a difference. Yes, do you, do you not see it on that particular day? Maybe not. But will you see it over time as you continue to feast on it? Absolutely. You will. I guarantee it. I have. you got to be in it. Get into this word. Pick up the sword and start to learn about your weapon of warfare. It is a powerful, powerful weapon. All right? If you let it, this weapon, in a good way, will cut you. It will cut you in good ways. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. Yeah. And it will do its own little surgery on you. Yeah. So get into it. Get into it. Feast on this. Feast on it. Some of you today, you need to get, go home and crawl into your closet or into a room. And you need to get into it because you haven't been there. Yeah. And it's not good. And Satan is just fine with where you're at because you're not doing good. And he's got you tricked and deceived. You don't even know it. That's the idea behind deception. So start doing some battle. Start doing some battle. Get into this word. Are you hearing me? Okay. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that we have the word. Lord, I pray for each one of us that um, we pick up this sword that we would be In your word, God, and serious about it, that we would acknowledge, Lord, that it is your word written ultimately by you to us. And it is many, many, many things. One thing it is, God, that we need to remember it is powerful, Lord. It is the very word of God right before us. What a privilege! What a privilege. So I pray, God, I pray for each one of us that we would have a spiritual diet, God, that is good, that we would feast on your word. Lord, the enemy's real. He's attacking us. He is attacking each one of us. He's attacking our families. He's attacking our marriages. He's attacking our children. We need to wake up, God, to wake each one of us up to this attack. And I pray for your protection on each of the families at Liberty. I pray that the families, Lord, would rise up to do the battle that you call us to, God. We will wrestle. You guarantee us. But the victory is already yours, God. So let us walk in that victory. The victory of Jesus. The victory of the cross. The victory of the empty tomb. To know that you have the victory. That Satan is defeated, Lord. So let us walk, God. Let us walk in your ways. We love you. Amen.